The topics and opinions expressed in the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4CY Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4CY Radio or its employees or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4CY Radio. Welcome back, everyone, to the Geeks, Geezers, and Googleization Show, the home of Googleization Nation, where we talk with HR and business thought leaders about the crazy shift going on in the world of business, technology, and HR. Here's your host, Ira Wolf. Hello, Googleization Nation. Uh, welcome back, everyone, to the Geeks, Geezers, and Googleization Show. Hello, Joyce. Uh, Joyce Joy, co-host again. Uh, great to see uh, you. Um, I know you had a, a busy, hectic <laughs> uh, week. Challenging, <laughs> challenging yeah, time. That's the word I was looking for. <laughs> but we are living in the age of Googleization, so volatile. Yes, we are. And a big Plus our uh, personal, business, uh, other challenges. Uh, but we have another great show lined up for everybody today. Really excited about it. Uh, certainly. Uh, in your wheelhouse, Joyce, uh, talking about employee experience. A uh, ton of stuff coming out. Uh, uh, in fact, our guest, uh, which will be Jason Cochran, uh, who I met last year about March. Uh, and he's uh, even been on the show already. Yeah, that's what I said. Yeah, I mean, I, I put out a call uh, just about I'm going to say it was in March. I can't remember if he was on at the end of March or beginning of April. But I put out a call because there was a lot of talk with the, the pandemic. Uh, everybody was sent home um, about PTSD, post-traumatic mm. stress syndrome. And it was that everybody was in shock what was going to happen. And at that, we were talking almost a year later. But we were talking, what happens when people come back to work? The fearful. Are they going to get sick? Are they going to come back with, you know, uh, as far as what's that going to be like? And, um, you know, if you get crammed into a meeting room or even in an elevator uh, about everybody was your enemy because everybody was contagious. And unfortunately, 10 months later, we're still in that. And now we're having that same discussion, especially with schools. Uh, as far as there's teachers, un there's unions saying the school, we're not, we don't feel safe yet coming back. And if they did, then are there consequences? Is there PTSD? Um, and then we've had 420,000 deaths. So people have literally suffered in coming back from that. So if for, for many people, this has been a war for healthcare workers. So that's how I met Jason, but we're going to be talking about something a lot more positive today uh, or, or how, how you can turn lemons, you know, uh, make lemonade out of lemons. Uh, <laughs> You know, maybe. And it's taking it to a next step. It was not, nece not necessarily enough just to keep people engaged during this time. Right. But it's more important of what the experience, uh, having a good experience, not just engagement. So Well, and, and it's interesting because there's a question as to it's a chicken and egg thing. You know, does the experience come before engagement? Does the engagement come before the experience? And right. I think that they do work together. And we'll discuss that with Jason when he comes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I want to be able to get him on. I want to make a, a quick announcement as well. Uh, this Friday, we're having our monthly Gordon Report. Uh, a good colleague of you and friend of yours as well, uh, Joyce. I've known Ed for 
20 years. I, I've actually never met Ed face to face. And I, I know you were both in Chicago. <laughs> I've never met him in all these years. Uh, but we've I, I've met him once or twice. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, so we've crossed paths face a few times, but Ed's, Ed has been writing the Gordon Report. Uh, approached me a few months ago, especially with uh, the way things are going, and said, "Hey, can we do uh, some interviews? Could can sure. he, he'd like to do this monthly?" So, and and in conjunction with that, he's been working on a new white paper. He is the author of twenty some books, yeah. um, most of focused on workforce trends. Uh, he's been dead on on many of his forecasts and predictions. Many, yeah, many. For, for sure. Ed and I belong to a mutual admiration society, <laughs> and I I promote his work whenever and wherever I can. Yeah, and I hope he does the same. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Well, we we talk about you a lot. I know that. Oh, good. Uh, so he he's got uh, he's he has uh, the Gordon Report. Uh, we started to do this live every month in September, I believe. Actually, prior to that, we did a, a webinar series. Uh, but anyway, he's releasing his new white paper. It's called Job Shock, and uh, he's going to do it in segments uh, because it's continually evolving. As he wrote something, things changed. Uh, so we're going to do the first segment this Friday. It's at noon Eastern time. Uh, it will be live and we will be live on Facebook, LinkedIn and YouTube. So you can go to my YouTube channel, which is youtube.com forward slash Ira Wolf. You can watch it there. Uh, if you're connected with me on LinkedIn, if you're not, please do. But if you're connected with me on LinkedIn, you'll get a notification uh, when we go live uh, or you can like Success Performance Solutions page on Facebook. Uh, and then we'll we'll be putting it up there on some other platforms as well. But uh, you'll be able to watch the replay. Uh, you know, Ira, that's the thing about being a futurist. Uh, you you talked about releasing it in segments. Is that things keep changing, and uh, and your baseline is where you do your forecast from, right? Right. And if the baseline keeps changing, then you have to keep adjusting based on that those shifts and changes. Right. Right. And it's very smart of him to yeah. do it in segments the way and, he is. And the world, even, the world even changed for futurists because in the past you could write a white paper and say, here's my trends for the year. What's gotten to the point now is you can't even do it for a month. <laughs> so it's going to be <laughs> well, you know, sometimes yeah, a little bit longer than that. But uh, but anyway, uh, we've got a great guest. I want to be able to get Jason on because uh, this is definitely a direction we were going to. I've been talking about this on the recruitment side, the talent acquisition side, uh, about the candidate. You know, we talked about engagement and candidate experience, uh, but it's really taking it to the next step. And the employee experience encompasses that. Uh, Jason put something out this morning. Uh, let me see if I can can get it here. He put out a, a great post. You can catch it on LinkedIn. I, I shared it. Uh, but he had hiring someone who's engaged should be a minimum expectation. Uh, and I, I thought that pretty much summed it up. Um, you know, we, we well, said this pretty and, much. And I, I'm looking forward to asking Jason, uh, how do you engage them before you even hire them? Well, that, uh, don't I, they I, have to know? Right. Well, yeah. we talk about that all the time with candidate experience. It's nurturing people. It's it's creating that network of people and not just going to them when not just advertising to them when you recruit, but having a conversation right. with them, making them what customers are like. It, it it's having a relationship. They are, they are customers, right? Yeah, having a relationship before they go on the payroll. Sure. Yeah. So we're uh, we're ready to bring on Jason. 
Um, he has a company called iAspire. You can go to iAspire.io. Uh, he has two different segments. He actually has a business segment and he has one for education. So, um, Jason, there you are. So good to see you, Jason. Welcome, Jason. Thank you. It's good to see you, Ira and Joyce. And it's great to be on with all your listeners today. Yeah, absolutely. Great to have you. I don't know if you were able to hear in the background at all um, what we were talking about. Uh, so let's dive into that. I, I know let's, uh, again, Joyce, I knew you had a good, you had a good question, kind of a, uh, I think for a lead, uh, but Jason. I let, don't think so. I think okay, it had to go farther okay. along in the conversation. Okay. But um, So tell us a little bit about I Aspire. I know we talked about it in the spring last year. Um, so there's a lot of, we have a lot of new listeners since then, but let's talk about what I aspire is, what your goals are, and then, uh, how you're trying to change, how we're trying to move people up from just, you know, used to be employee satisfaction, then it became employee engagement. And now we're moving to employee experience. That's not just a word change. <laughs> there's, there's a lot more work involved in doing that and then how you're doing it. So tell us a little bit about iAspire and then uh, let's talk about employee experience. Yeah, absolutely. iAspire, we're a software company in Indianapolis, Indiana, and we are an EX solution to attract, develop, and retain your talent. Um, and that's it for us. That's what we do from onboarding to offboarding and everything in between. Um, that's what our software does for organizations, and we've designed it to where it actually becomes your assistant and pushes things to people whenever there are certain experiences that need to be done. Because we know people are busy, the last thing you need to do is remember a login, a password, an app to go where you need to go do something. You don't have to worry about that with us. We'll reach out to you whenever there's certain organizational or personal activities that you're doing on your growth journey. So how do you differ from, you know, I, I have, we talk about HR uh, stacks, HR tech, and we talk about from can, uh, the candidate experience, talent acquisition systems, ATS, and then we have the onboarding platforms, and then you have the, the tele, you know, you have, you have uh, tech companies that say they do what you just described. We go from pre-hire to um, post-hire and even to, through termination. Um, through engagement. Yeah. Well, even beyond that, I mean, you know, creating an alumni work network. How do you how do you complement or maybe compete with with the traditional uh, systems that are out there? Sure. Like for us, everything is, is about behavior. My background is I'm a licensed psychologist. Um, and so one of the things that has, has kind of irked me a little bit in terms of what I've seen out in the market are a lot of shiny toys that focus on sentiment. And don't get me wrong, surveys are great. They are a small piece of the puzzle. They're quick, they're easy to do, and you can get a lot of opinions from people about how they feel. But as one executive told me, if I wanted to currently show my engagement levels increasing, I would give my baseline engagement survey to my folks in the dead of winter, and then I'd give the next one in the summer. Boom, there you go. A 10 point rise in engagement that has nothing to do with what you're actually doing, right? Mm -hmm. And so, so for us, the design of our software is, and this goes back to a lot of my training in psychology, my, my psychology professors told me in social science, it's better to measure what people actually do than what they say they will do. 
And so for us, we develop rhythms and beats of things that are related to anything that has to do with performance management, so feedback loops. We're continually harnessing that information, providing signals to leaders and organizations about whether or not people are getting appropriate feedback. We're also getting uh, signals on growth plans and goals. So we're goal tracking as well. That's a very important signal that many times is lost in translation or isn't being tracked or isn't considered part of the equation when you think about the employee experience. And that can be professional goals or they can be personal goals. All of that information is very important in terms of measuring whether people are taking steps, doing behaviors to grow. Um, participation in learning and development programs and then do you have ways to measure the transfer? We help with that as well. And so those are a lot of the different pieces we focus on that are behavior signals, what's actually going on in your organization that goes above and beyond simply doing uh, surveys. And what I've seen from a lot of leaders is frustration with the engagement surveys. They think they're turning into the new annual review, something you just do, but by the time you take the data, analyze it, synthesize it, put together a plan and, and get it out there and execute it with your people. It's your people's right. needs have changed. Exactly, right. Joyce. People change hour to hour, day to day, week to week. And it's often taking weeks, sometimes months with some of these leaders once they do an engagement survey before they actually roll out a plan that's actually getting into the nitty gritty daily behaviors and supporting people to all pull in the same direction strategically around the things that they discovered. Now, are you are you are you implementing a number of pulse surveys? I mean, or or is this more of a one-on-one -on -one, um, response from the employees? Yeah, we use pulse surveys sparingly, only as needed. In fact, we kind of talk about we need to be practical before we get surgical. Um, that's one of the challenges <laughs> ah. that we've seen in organizations is they want to use a scalpel for every problem they deal with when it comes to their people. And so, oh, we need to survey it. Oh, we need to come up with a four-month plan. The reality of what we're seeing, and this is backed by research coming out from Josh Bresden um, and also from uh, Jacob Morgan, there's a core rhythm of certain activities that should just be your core experiences that you have that touch on what employees have told us over the last 20 years they want from their employer. And, it, and it's very basic, like a lot of the things they're looking for. I've kind of distilled it into a model I call the four principles of connection. Oh, please tell People us. are looking to connect better with themselves. They want to understand themselves better. Hmm. Organizations that afford that opportunity to help people better understand their own personal values, the things that they stand for, what their unique skills, talents, and gifts are that they can contribute to the world. They're, they're going to look at their employer as a hero if they're providing experiences and access to technology that helps harness those things for them. So that's number one, connecting with themselves. Number two, connecting with others. Organizations that are helping people connect in healthy ways with others and coaching them on those soft skills, empathy, humility, effective communication, those kind of things, those are also going to help them feel more connected to the organization. Connecting to their role, feeling like their specific tasks and responsibilities that they have are mission critical. You're important in this organization. We can't move forward without what you're doing. And then the fourth and last one really quickly, connecting to the organization. 
So feeling like you're not just punching in and punching out, but the things that you do matter in this world and that you're part of something bigger than yourself that you really care about. So four principles of connection, connect better with yourself, connect to others, connect to your role and connect to the organization. You have experiences that work around those four types of connections. You're building a strong base or a strong core already of a rhythm of experiences that are going to help you tap into the untapped potential of your people. You know, Jason, interestingly, when we did our research for the book, How to Become an Employer of Choice, which was a bestseller, what we discovered was that the one key was that if you could help the individual see how their contribution made a difference to the bottom line of the organization, which is think is number three, your role one. I think that's what it was. Maybe it's a combination of three and four. Then you had the loyalty of that individual. That individual really felt like your company for him or her was the employer of choice. It seemed to be the most important thing. But I, I really like your fourfold path, if I could use that term. <laughs> it's it's like a fourfold path for organizational enlightenment, right? <laughs> I love that. Yeah, and one of the things I, I have short-term memory challenges. And unfortunately, as a psychologist, I had to give a lot of cognitive assessments on myself. So <laughs> I know my challenges and weaknesses, unfortunately, really well. And one of them is short-term memory. So for me. When I see models that are saying, here's the 17 or 20 attributes of what it means to be engaged, you've lost me. But I can hold on to four things. I can hold on to connecting to myself, connecting to others, to my role and to the organization. That makes sense. People can remember that. It can be written on their hearts to understand the purpose and the why behind the work that they're doing and the interactions that they have internally and then externally with customers. And so, you know, we're hopeful that this kind of model is gonna be able to get some traction with folks, um, not only because of the results that it gets, but that it's something that people can actually remember and recall and think on um, every day when they're uh, getting involved in their work. So, so Jason, uh, there was a, and again, I'll throw this out. I don't know if you saw this, um, I, and it came across my desk. I know you and I have talked about adaptability and adaptability quotient in the past. I think you actually talked to Ross uh, or, or Mike, uh, Mike, yeah, Ross, Mike Raven. Yeah, Mike Raven. Yeah. So the Deloitte uh, Insights just came out with the with the survey, and they identified, uh, which is why it resonated with me, as flexibility and adaptability was the number one work trait uh, CXOs, the executive suite was looking for uh, in twenty twenty one. They need people to, to understand how to become more flexible and adaptable. But when you went down the list, interesting, tech savvy was second, uh, but then it was aligning with values. Uh, then it was expertise and proficiency in certain roles, which again, going back to helping people grow into their, their own being to be comfortable with that. Uh, then it went into curiosity then courage to challenge the status quo, then empathy, uh, and then inclusiveness. So it went down the list. Those were the top nine or 10. I can't remember how many were there. Uh, but again, it fits into allowing people to feel part of that culture and using the analogy that you, you even referenced was the performance review. We usually go back and it's like, okay, we have our review. We talk about your salary, how well you did last year. What are your goals for this year? 
okay, we checked that off. Let's put it away and we'll come back a year from now and we'll talk about it again. What, what, you're, what you're doing is, is, is somewhere the employee experience, employee engagement became the same thing is let's do our annual employee engagement survey and then we'll figure out what to do with it. Uh, then it became, well, let's do monthly or quarterly pulse surveys. We'll, we'll do, you know, we do need to do it more frequently, but it just became a function. It became something else to do. And it was, it was, it was, it was like going to the doctor, you, 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 you exercise for the month before you, you watch your diet, you stop eating your salt, you go in and they go, good. And then, okay, I'm good for another year. Now I can go back to doing everything that I've always done before. That's right. And you know, my wife, she inadvertently gave me a good reminder about this that has everything to do with engagement and experience. So my most Americans, New Year's hits, I've got a goal to lose some weight. I just had twins last May. And so Papa Bear has not been getting his uh, exercise in. Your pregnancy too much weight. pizza. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Exactly right, Ira. And so, um, you know, my wife was saying, you know, just hopping on the scale, is it going to make you lose weight? You need to get to it. And the get to it part was you need to go down and do your kettlebell exercise in the basement. And there's so much truth to that. Engagement really helped us from the standpoint of getting started and understanding we need to start measuring data around our people. Right. But just measuring our problems doesn't make them better. Sometimes it makes us feel better because guess what? It's a lot easier to hop on the scale and weigh myself than it is to actually go do the work and the behaviors of what I have to do to get better. Um, and, and that's where, unfortunately, engagement has kind of fallen flat on its face. It has not become a model that easily transitions into continuously measuring people metrics. You're doing them maybe quarterly. And then by the time you're rolling out a plan, it's too late needs have changed. I mean, you think about, I think about my needs last week, even compared to today, you know, having four children that are ages seven and under, like if you gave me a survey last week on a certain day, I'd probably fill it out a certain way compared to how I am today, since I get to be on this awesome show with Ira and Joyce, right? And so that just shows how fickle and how much our, our feelings and our sentiments can change in life. And so working into an experience model that says, you know what, we're going to put the employee in the center of the design of what we think the journey needs to be from the moment they start to the moment they're done, similar to how we've invested so much money in the customer journey and understanding, understanding buyer behavior. We've got to apply those same concepts to employees from start to finish. And most importantly, they need to be the ones driving the bus, right? We can't just have all the executives or all the managers in a room saying, hey, we think this is what needs to be done. Um, you better make sure that your employees are the ones driving that um, because it's theirs. It's so for them. So Jason, yes. I'm going to put my employee hat on here. I'm sitting here listening to this and go, I, I'd love to work with a company that's doing this, but I don't want them. I don't want to feel like big brothers watching me. Am I going to be walking around with sensors? Is somebody tracking how many keys I'm, I'm typing, <laughs> uh, how I feel? Oh, it's my mood. Okay, my Fitbit could tell me that, but I don't want my employer knowing that I'm having a crappy day uh, or I'm doing this. So how do you how do you get that information? What are you doing with the data? How how are you protecting people's privacy? 
Absolutely. That first and foremost, you have to do that. And you have to have an atmosphere where leadership's making that clear to people that this is not going to be a big brother initiative. This really is about making sure that the experiences that we offer here in the workplace are for them. So what I would make very clear is if you're working on a personal growth plan of some kind, even though it's software purchased by the company, then that's yours. It's private information. We're not going to be using that in any capacity to know what's going on in your life outside of work. The flip side of that, though, too, is we now are entering into an amazing space because of wonderful work from leaders like Brene Brown that are saying, be vulnerable to leaders and employees. Show up authentically as yourself at work. Right. Those barriers of being scared to say, this is me. This is my life. And I shouldn't feel scared that I'm going to be terminated because I'm going through a divorce or because I had a loved one that got COVID and now I've become the primary caregiver for them and it's harming my productivity at work. There's still gonna be organizations that operate like that, but the organizations that quickly shift, adapt and are flexible and say, no, that's not how we treat our people. They're the ones that are gonna win the talent war. They're the ones that are gonna keep their people. And I also think another thing practically that can be done to make sure this is a safe place this goes back to a lot of my work I used to do in schools, involve them, help let them help set the rules for what employee experience is. So if you're going to use human centered design concepts to create the experiences, they should have just as much clout, just as much authority in saying this or is more. what it is and what or we expect. More. People or support more. what they help to create. I love that. That's phrase. right. People support what they help to create. So when we engage the employees in creating the structures, the systems, the processes, they feel invested in the success of those. And I have seen it work time after time after time with clients. It really does work. You must engage people in coming up with in developing those systems and processes. Because if you don't, if it's just the, the ozone or your leadership team sitting in a room and saying, we think this is gonna work, invariably it doesn't because it's harder to get the buy-in. The idea is you wanna make sure that it, it may start, something may start at the top, but it gets fed down through the process, through the ranks, to the lower levels, or even better, engage the lower levels in the beginning, say, this is what we want to accomplish. How do you think we can best do that? I love that, Joyce. Absolutely. And so then maybe putting that in some organizations, it's probably where you don't have to have a contract of some kind, but in some organizations, that might have to be part of the collective bargaining or the contract where you say, here's the rules for how we as employees would be involved in this process and the extent to which you can use certain kinds of information that we may openly share in there that could be sensitive information. Um, so I, I love that. Once upon a time, Jason, I was working with a uh, uh, an agency in Colorado and they didn't have money to give merit bonuses. And we got everybody into a room and we said, okay, we want to acknowledge the fact that you've done a great job. What would be meaningful to you that's not of a financial nature? And we had pages and pages of flip charts. 
And it was just remarkable what, uh, what came out of that. And it was simply by doing exactly what you're talking about, start at the level, uh, the lowest level, and ask people what will work for them. Hey, hey Jason, we're, we're coming up toward the end uh, of, of this incredibly fast. Uh, is there a, a, an example of, of, of a company that you were working with what type of change? I mean, again, we're talking about we're talking about our improvement, but um, ha, has there been a measurable change with some of the organizations you're working with? What does what does that look like for someone who may say, "Hey, I love this idea. We need to do this," but what could I expect after doing it, other than just having higher scores? <laughs> so. Yeah, absolutely. So, so I'll give you one that is more of like an anecdotal piece of evidence that we got from one of our customers. And that was, they said they had employee stories that were being shared with managers of how once they went through micro coaching through our platform on effective communication skills, that it really reduced the amount of conflict at home between parents, between the parents and kids, um, with friends. And they were getting these notes saying, hey, these things that I'm learning about how to become a more effective communicator on our team and in our company that's coming to us from I Aspire, those things are transferring to the other aspects of my life. And I'm realizing I'm able to regulate my temper a lot more when, uh, you know, when we're hitting a point of conflict with my spouse or with my kids. And those are the things for us that tell us we've designed this in the right way. Because at the end of the day, for us, it is about helping people continuously grow throughout their life. Yes, that means becoming a better leader, employee, whatever that role is that they have in an organization. But it also means we're working on things for them that are going to help them grow and develop as a human being. And they have aspirations that go beyond just the walls of work, of what they want to do with their lives. They have dreams. They have goals. And so when we hear from an employer, the CEO, saying, we're getting feedback that our managers are hearing from people unsolicited. This is voluntarily coming from employees. I'm learning things and developing as a person that's helping me even outside of work and making the quality of my life better with people in my sphere of influence. That is the heart of what I aspire is all about. And that's what we're after. Very and, nice. And, Very and nice. you hit the, and you hit three out of the four top Deloitte uh, traits that people were looking for in within employees, uh, and you're talking about how to get there. So uh, fantastic. Right. I, I know really good. I know Jason, you and uh, Joyce and I can talk to you for well, all day. Uh, <laughs> but we're at the end of the segment. Uh, how can people reach you? Uh, what's the best way? Yeah, LinkedIn is actually the best way. Uh, just look up Jason Cochran. Um, on my little tagline, it'll say um, culture architect, co-founder, psychologist, um, those kind of things. Love to connect on LinkedIn. I'm very active there. If you want to reach me um, by email, it is jason.cochran at dolead.com. That's our parent company, dolead, D-U-L-E-A-D.com. Thanks. Uh, we need, to, I'm going to, well, I'll, as you were talking, because I know you have the education side uh, for I Aspire as well. There's an education forum um, in a salon every week, and they're talking about ed tech. Um, 
a great opportunity for you. So I'll, I'll connect with you, get some information about that. But I really, it's great seeing you again. I know we've had a couple conversations. Uh, it's been a, an amazing year. Um, I'm fascinated by the company. And then uh, the, all, all the stars are aligning. And then with Joyce, with the employee, with, with her focus on employer of choice, employee experience, um, this is just fantastic. So I appreciate you being here again. Uh, I'm, I'm, sure our listeners uh, have, have taken a lot of these messages and we'll be hammering this home because we'll be talking a lot more about employee experience over the over the course of the year. So I'm sure we will. Um, we'll be following those twins of years. They're just a little bit behind. <laughs> 18-month-old we have running around the house every couple of days here. Uh, so uh, so I, I empathize and appreciate everything you're, you're going through uh, as, as well. So thank you, Jason. Wish you, Thanks, thank Jason. You, wishing you the best. Thank you, Ira. Thank you, Joyce. And I look forward to reading your book, Joyce. Ah, thank you so much. We'll be in touch. Thanks. Thank you. Oh, Joyce. Um, well, that went quickly. Yeah, yeah, crazy fast. I mean, every every week we say that, and every week it's true. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening to Geek Skeezers Googleization. Uh, if you are not part of Googleization Nation yet, uh, please do so. You can go to googleizationnation.com. It's free. You'll get updates about this uh, and other upcoming events, uh, such as we're having this Friday uh, with Job Shock. You'll hear a little. We'll talk a little bit more about that in the next segment. Uh, we are going to take a quick break. We're going to hear from our sponsor, Success Performance Solution. And when we come back, we're going to have our Ahead of the Curve segment. And this week, we're talking about small business COVID pivot, pivots. Uh, small business COVID pivots. Say that a couple times. Five really. times <laughs> fast. Right. Good luck. So, yeah, yeah. We'll be doing that. Uh, so right now, we're going to take a short break. Um, less than two minutes. We will be back with Ahead of the Curve. Hiring top talent shouldn't be left up to the roll of the dice. And yet, that's exactly what many organizations do. They roll the dice, cross their fingers, and pray for a better outcome. Hiring the right employees the first time is much too important and way too costly to leave to a game of chance. Your employees and your customers deserve better. For 25 years, Success Performance Solution has been helping small and medium-sized businesses hire smarter. They offer pre-employment and leadership assessments from typing and data entry, to C-suite competence. Whether it's production, sales, healthcare, call centers, or management, Success Performance Solutions can help. Visit their website at www.successperformancesolutions.com to schedule a free demo or call 800-803-4303. And a lot of you might be feeling like you're standing in deep shift. But do you know what grows and rises out of deep shift? Opportunity. To successfully navigate the shift to the new normal, each of us must learn to rapidly adapt to the speed of change. Some of us are hardwired for this. Others, not so much. That's where Success Performance Solutions can help. Success Performance Solutions is now your AQ headquarters. Whether you are personally struggling with the next chapter in your career or wondering how ready your team is for fast, disruptive change, our AQ assessment and coaching will provide you a detailed, scientifically-backed roadmap to guide you into the new normal. Optimize your adaptability today. Contact Success Performance Solutions about evaluating your team's change readiness or joining our upcoming AQ Masterclass. Visit SuccessPerformanceSolutions.com or call us at 800-803-4303.
Hey, welcome back, everyone, to Geek Skeezers and Googleization. Uh, welcome to, uh, or if you don't belong to Googleization Nation yet, uh, please go up, uh, googleizationnation.com. Uh, you can subscribe to it. It's free. Uh, you'll get periodic uh, emails and updates about events that we're having, uh, including the uh, Gordon Report, which we have this Friday. Uh, also, I forgot to mention in the first segment, we've set a date for the AQ, the Adaptability Quotient Summit. Um, I'm not sure if that's what we're going to call it. It's going to be March 24th. It's actually going to be right before uh, the Geek Skeezers and Googleization show that day. So it'll be a very busy Wednesday at the end of March. I've already lined up uh, Heidi Spirgy. Spirgy. Uh, she is the Chief Strategy Officer of Cornerstone On Demand. Uh, she's been on the show a few times. And uh, Ross Thornley from AQAI. And there's a couple other people that we're looking at. So we're going to have some really, really good thought leaders uh, talking about adaptability. But in this segment, we're going to be talking about ahead of, from ahead of the curve. We're going to be talking with Joyce about small business COVID pivots, uh, which will be, I assume, um, is I, was this already in Herman Trend Alert? Yes. yes. Yeah. Okay. So I thought I saw it before. Segments right. have, so you can, have already been in the Trend Alert, but so you can what see I try to do is I try to bring more uh, information and insight into the segment than I had uh, when we were uh, when I wrote the the uh, the piece. And you can see the the newsletter going, uh, the uh, URL going across the bottom. Uh, human, uh, Herm, human trend alert. Herman trend alert. Uh, could be human trend alert, but Her Herman <laughs> trend alert. Uh, uh, every week uh, goes out. Uh, I've been following it for years and years and years. Uh, and I, I highly recommend that you go up to hermantrendalert.com and uh, you'll be able to uh, read what we're going to talk about. But we're going to talk about uh, small business COVID pivots. Uh, yeah, uh, there were three small businesses that really stood out for me that had pivoted during COVID from what they had been doing to something new because of the fact that we can't be together in person. And uh, I, I just, I was blown away by it. And I challenged my readers to think about how they could apply these same ideas to their own businesses or to those of their friends. And so without, uh, without further explanation, I'm going to just jump in. So the first one I want to talk about is a woman named Ginger Burr. Ginger operates a business and has in um, uh, a, not rural Boston, but suburban Boston, She's uh, several miles out of the city, and uh, she is just a, a remarkable woman because what she did was she went from being a wardrobe consultant and somebody who would help you choose the right clothes for the right occasion uh, to being an expert on how to look great on Zoom how to look great on these online platforms that we're all on. And she even created a course called How to Look Good on Zoom that you can sign up for. She does do individual coaching, but she is now busier than ever before. And she was busy before this because of the fact that she's really helping people know what to do to look great 
on these online platforms. The second one I want to talk about is a, a little company in Savannah, Georgia called Virtual Walking Tours, actually Underground Tours of Savannah. Right. I think and, I was one of those years ago. <laughs> uh, really? Uh I, I, I wanted to when I was in Savannah, but I don't think I ended up taking it. And so the uh, the woman who calls herself Sista, S-I-S-T-A-H, Pat, with two Ts, is what is called a Gula Geechee master storyteller. And Gula Geechee has to do with the culture of that whole area of Savannah and and even into South Carolina as well. And she tells stories and so do all of her tour guides about the area as they do walking tours. Well, when there's nobody coming to the city, it's hard to do walking tours. And so what she started to do was to do these walking tours on Zoom. And they discovered that it could be a very good business. Mm -hmm. And now they have both online walking tours as well as in-person walking tours because they are in Georgia. And yes, you do have to wear a mask and there's a 10 guest limit and they have they do uh, try to enforce the uh, the physical distancing, which you can do, especially when it's outside. Right. And uh, it, they, too, have ended up even more successful than they were before the pandemic because now they have two revenue streams instead of just one. Uh, the third one is comes from Florida, where Chef Giovanni was the chef of a vegan restaurant in Florida. And when everything shut down, poor Chef Giovanni lost his position as the top chef in this fine vegan restaurant. Well, what he now does is to offer food, uh, prepared food, two or three times a week, you know, whatever meal plan you want to be on, to local people who are vegan. And uh, what he says is he collaborates with local growers to create unforgettable, versatile, plant-based dining experiences. It, it's enough to make me wish that I lived in Boca Raton, Florida. Uh, and, you know, it, it's he's just another example of how you can take those lemons and make lemonade because... That's exactly what he did. He couldn't, he could no longer serve people in his restaurant. And so obviously he's preparing beautifully crafted food and either uh, having to pick it up or delivering it to their homes uh, uh, on a, a, a weekly or a several times a week basis. Or actually, I think what I was told that he does is you get a package of three meals and then you just warm it up uh, on the successive nights. I think that's the way he's doing it. And this is very similar to something that I found in a restaurant in Chicago when I was there on March 
the 14th, I was actually there. I, I flew home on the 15th and that was the last time I flew for like nine months. Mm -hmm. And that's saying something, but I, uh, what, what this particular restaurant does is to offer uh, meal plans so that if their best customers want to have like 25 meals a month or 20 meals a month or 18 meals a month from this restaurant, they can sign up for a meal plan, pay a certain amount every month. And it's good for the restaurateur because he or she knows that they have a consistent income and it's great, great for <laughs> the individuals too, because they know they don't have to cook. So, and they're prepared as opposed to some of the other plans. These are prepared. These yes. are prepared meals that you yes. can go and pick up. All of these that I've discussed today are prepared meals. Yeah. Anyway, so I'm, I'm really uh, impressed by mm -hmm. the organizations that are able to pivot and be even more successful in this right. very challenging time that we're in. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but I had COVID fatigue big time <laughs> until I got on an airplane last Thursday. And now I no longer have COVID fatigue because it was grueling to sit in the airport for hours while my delayed flight. And I was sitting with a face shield and a face mask. And it was just, it was not fun. And then being on an airplane for four hours at a time in the face shield and the face mask. And, oh, I, I, I'm, 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 I'm looking not, forward to staying home for months. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Well, I've been, we, I've been talking about that for a while. What was, you know, people have this thing. Um, in fact, I was just listening to uh, an interview that I had done and it talked about, it, it was like, got the vaccine. Everybody's vaccinated. We're going to walk out. It's going back to 2019 and it's just the way it was. And, it, you know, it, it's almost like at the end of a war, you know, for, so. and I, I, I've never, you know, from the pictures I've seen in World War II, it's like everybody's celebrating in the streets. Uh, not so, not, not going back to, to that. No, uh, in, we'll fact, adapt. in fact, after this, I'm doing a presentation for the I, uh, Institute of Management Consultants chapter, IMC USA. You can go and look at their events. Their Oregon and Southwest Washington chapter. And I'm going to talk about creating success for you and your clients in normal 3.0. So we're going to be talking about post-COVID. We're going to be talking which about- Which has just changed. We're, we're going to be talking- all of the new variants. We're going to be talking about this for- quite a while. Quite a while. Uh, stay tuned. Uh, Googleization Nation, VUCA, all of that. Uh, that's what we will be. Uh, we will have no shortage of things to talk about going forward. But that was a great segment. I will throw this out to any listeners. Uh, if you do own a small business, if you've made a pivot last year, even in a big business, if you've made a pivot, let us know. Um, maybe we can bring you on. If not, we can mention it. We can Love talk it. about it because again, these are the points of encouragement. Again, thank you very much uh, for listening to Geek Skeezers and Googleization. If you're not a member of, if you haven't subscribed, it's not a membership, but if you haven't subscribed to Googleization Nation yet, please do so. Uh, if you haven't subscribed to HermanTrendAlert.com uh, to get the newsletters, get the updates. Uh, ahead of ahead of the curve, <laughs> so then you can do that. Uh, this Friday, don't forget, we've got at uh, 12 noon, we've got the Gordon Report and the first official release 
of the job shock report from Ed Gordon. Uh, so please uh, make sure you, you attend live. Uh, you'll hear first all chapter, about that. First chapter, is he calling it chapters actually? No, no, it's a, just the first draft, the first release of the white paper. Um, okay. So, yeah, so it's just first few pages, I guess, of, of what the white paper uh, will be. Well, I'm looking uh, forward to hearing what Ed has to say. Yeah. So uh, again, thanks very much for listening to another episode of Geek Skeezers Googleization. Uh, please join Googleization Nation. Uh, and oh, also mark March 24th at 11 a.m. Eastern time on your calendar for the Adaptability Summit. Again, not sure what the final name is, but we will be talking all about adaptability. So until next week, this is Ira Wolf and Joyce Joya on Geek Skeezers and Googleization. Don't let the shift hit your plans. <laughs> <laughs>